beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. <laughs> this bonus episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. I am Laura Tremaine, and I am so happy to share with you a conversation with one of my college friends, Sarah Noose. Now, I have kept up with Sarah online for years now, but what is so fascinating about her story is that she accidentally started a business while we were in college. She was just 19 years old, and 20 plus years later, That little college side hustle is a company with franchises all over the world. Sarah started Tippy Toes, a dance program for kids that focuses on self-esteem, in 1999 while we were both living in the sorority house. And years later, you might have seen her on an episode of Shark Tank, where I was definitely cheering her on when she was offered a deal. She tells more of that story in the episode. And more recently, as she started a podcast and published a book, both called Destined for Greatness. There's so much that I enjoyed about this conversation with Sarah, but it was especially good to hear her take on working within our own gifts and strengths and the difference between letting things flow and unfold and also chasing your passions. The show notes for this episode, like always, will be available at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And there I will link to Sarah's social media channels and to Tippy Toes and her podcast and book, Destined for Greatness. I hope that you enjoy this positive and inspiring chat with my friend, businesswoman, podcaster, author, and all-around leader, Sarah Noose. Sarah, welcome to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. I am so happy to be here, Laura. It's just so fun. I've been excited about your podcast. Oh my gosh, I love having you. I have not seen your beautiful face. We're face-to-face as we record this. I have not seen your beautiful face probably 
since we were sorority sisters at the University of Oklahoma. Of course, I follow you on social media, but it is so nice to reconnect in this way. I love it. I love it. And those were like such good days for us. I remember in the Theta house, like you were, you were one of the cool Thetas, like the one, like a leader in the Theta house. Yes, you were. And I, and I think I told you this when you were on my podcast, like I always was like, what's she doing? And you were like the funniest also. So it's a joy to reconnect and, and also to see all the amazing things you're doing and impact that you're making. Well, you're so kind. You're also really misremembering that time (laughs) because I did not feel cool or funny. I felt like I was out of place the whole time. Like I, somebody accidentally let me into this room and I'm just going (laughs) to not make a wave and hope nobody notices that I don't belong here. Even though I loved that time, you know, Mm -hmm. being in a sorority, I've kind of have complicated feelings about it 20 years later. However, Mm -hmm. it was a really beautiful time in my life with friendship and sisterhood. And I got to know some women then that are just absolutely incredible. I never could have guessed when we were like late teenagers, early, early, early adults, the kind of women that these girls would become. It's just been so fun to watch everyone's trajectory and especially you. You have just had explosive growth, except it started, well, when I was like in my pajamas (laughs) and I don't know what your growth started when we were in college. So will you just... Tell us a little bit about your story, because I find it fascinating that you really found yourself a businesswoman before most of us, like, you know, were able to drink legally. That is so funny. Well, thank you. It was an accidental thing that happened to me. I did not realize that I was going to be a businesswoman. um, And it just kind of came upon me because I was working as a waitress at on the border Mexican cantina where lots of people were drinking underage, probably shouldn't say that, but I was there and um, I'm a huge Oklahoma football fan and OU was playing Notre Dame. And I was so pumped because I had tickets to go to the game. Well, I had just bought my very own car and I had to make car payments and I got fired from my job because I was, um, went to the football game and didn't waitress at on the border. And I was devastated because I had this car payment as my very first like piece of freedom and I didn't have a way to make money. And so I had to think really quickly as most college girls. Like I called my parents. I needed them to bail me out and they did the best parenting move. I I didn't appreciate it at the time, but they were like, well, you need to figure out what to do. And so my mom said, like, why don't you go to the local daycare and teach dance? And I didn't have time to think of a business plan. I just was like, okay, I need $238. Like I need to get there. And so I went to a local daycare and said, Hey, I'm Sarah. And I teach dance to little kids at daycares. Could I come to yours? And I didn't do this, but I was on the spot on the fly. And the lady said, well, what's the name of your business? And I was like, oh, shoot, I have a business. And so just like I say my very own name, I said Tippy Toes. And she's like, that's great. And there was the birth of Tippy Toes Dance Company in Norman, Oklahoma, when I was 19 years old. And 
I didn't realize it at the moment, the impact that that had on my life. But here I am now 21 years later, and we have franchises across the world. And, you know, if I ever would have drawn it up on paper, it never would have looked like this, but it does. And I'm so thankful for the impact that women have made on their communities through Tippy Toes. So you started this, you were 19. So what, you were a freshman, sophomore? I was a sophomore. Yep. I was a sophomore and I was, you know, in the sorority house. And I remember so distinctively, like, and this was back, like now dancers will wear like, you know, dance pants, like yoga pants and a cute shirt. I literally was in ballet tights, a leotard and I would wear like a long tutu around the house. Like I would go down to the sorority house kitchen and that's what I was wearing. I'm like, what was I thinking? But everybody knew like Sarah was just going to go teach dance, you know? And so it's funny, but I just had to do what I had to do. And then it kind of took, I mean, it really took off. It was a way for parents to get their children involved in activities without having to race around at the end of the day, taking them to all sorts of things. You know, dance was already taken care of. And so I met parents where they were at. I didn't understand the level I was giving parents until I became a parent. And I was, I remember actually Lucy was in school and took dance class and it was like a light bulb moment. So Tippy Toes was probably 14 years old. And I was like, oh, this is what we do for parents because I had become a parent and I understood the other side, the receiving side of what my business was doing. And so that's really how, you know, parents really supported it and kept telling people about it. It's like, you know, it became wildfire as people enjoyed our program. So you grew it to other daycares. You had to hire other employees. How did you know what you were doing. And here's why I'm asking that because now, you know, you can just like Google or hire a business coach. I mean, there's like all these ways, but as I remember it in, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, and especially because I know a little bit more about your story, you weren't thriving in the university. Okay. So yes, school was super duper hard for me. And so the educational institution in my mind was like, no, you're not a business person. But honestly, I didn't even think I was a business person, nor was I trying to be a business person. What I was trying to do was make money and then follow my passion. And what I have learned over the years is passion can take you really far. You know, if you want something bad enough It doesn't matter what your past experience has been. You will find a way to figure it out. And that's exactly what happened to me. I didn't realize I had a business for a while. And then when I did, I was like, oh, well, if this is business, I've totally got this. I think oftentimes we have plans in place and this is how we want it to look and this is how things should work. And then when it doesn't go that way, things get derailed and our mind starts telling us we're not good enough, we're not valuable enough and that sort of stuff. Well, I didn't have those preconceived notions because I was just trying to make money. And so I think it actually worked to my benefit. I never really wrote a business plan. My husband now, but at the time he was my boyfriend, he drew a graph and just put it in my bathroom and he was like, 
just try to get 50 students. So literally my biggest business plan was coloring in some lines on a graph in my bathroom. Um, But then what started to happen is people started perceiving me as a business person. And so I kind of had to figure it out along the way. And still to this day, that's what I do is I figure out, like we were talking about my book launch, like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing what feels right. And I'm following it as far as I can. It's so impressive because you started to hire other people. You were teaching all these kids around Norman, Oklahoma City. You were teaching them tippy toes dance classes while you were going to college. Like, you know, it's just, I think of my own self at that age, and I just cannot imagine having that level of responsibility, let alone taking it to the next level of success. But tell me, about then getting into business with your family, because I actually just love this part of your story. Oh, thank you. Well, so my sisters, Jenny and Megan are, they're like the cleanliness to my life. You know, I am throw spaghetti against the wall and they come and tidy it up. And so again, I didn't really realize I was in business or I didn't realize this was the future of my life. I really thought this was just a, I kept saying like, this is just a little college job. So I kept discounting really what was happening and kind of what had been manifested. And so my sister, my younger sister comes to school and she is trying out for the Oklahoma basketball team. So she's busy all the time. And the only time I got her is when she needed a little bit more money. She's like, do you have anything I can do? Well, Laura, she sits down at my office and she's like, is this how you're keeping track of everything? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like what's the problem? Like for me, it made sense. And so she came and just organized my entire life and was like, well, it'd be really easy if you'd actually use a computer. I was writing things down like teachers do in their old fashioned school books. And I was doing little check marks and, you know, if they didn't pay, I'd put like the money sign question mark. I mean, it was like ridiculous. And she came in and just refined everything that I had been doing. And I was like, wow, you actually took a whole bunch of work off of me. And she ends up moving to Oklahoma state. And she's like, Hey, I think, you know, this would be really great if I could try to do what you're doing. I'm like, absolutely. And so again, it wasn't ever a conversation really like, Hey, do you want to go to business, go into business together? Like, do you want to see if this works out? You know, we just started doing it. We started charging ahead and all the while she's going to school to be a dietitian. And so I think I'm going to lose her, but back to finding your passion. She's like, I love what I'm doing and I'm impacting the lives of people around me. I'm able to influence my community and I'm making a lot of money. So like, I think I really want to do this. And I was like, Awesome. Because two heads are better than one. And Megan and I work super well together. Like what she can do, I cannot. Like she's really good at things that I'm not good at. And then I have qualities that help her out a lot. And so, um, and then my older sister, Jenny, you know, she's known tippy toes since the birth of it. And she, I remember in college, I was like, this would be really fun for you to do, but she was already making money. Like she had her degree and she went off and had this awesome job. And so it was kind of like my little thing that I was doing. Well, now 21 years later, she owns a franchise in Nashville, Tennessee and Cincinnati, Ohio, and is crushing it. And I'm like, you are the longest close of a deal I've ever had in my life. (laughs) So, but now we're all working together and um, my parents are really supportive. They actually do all of our merchandise and 
they're really amazing. They've, you know, everybody's really supported the whole thing. And now at this point, if I do something, they're like, go for it. Like we a hundred percent support you. I think because over time I've proven myself and that I don't do it the textbook way. Like rarely do I go the textbook way, but I go like with my gut instinct. And so far for a lot of things, it's worked out. Now I've had a lot not work out, but what I've done is I've grown in those spots as well. Well, I want to talk about that you now have franchises and I want to talk about the things that have not really worked out because it's so beneficial to hear that in other people's stories. But to get to that, I guess I do want to ask you from just my own curiosity and just knowing you, like what you think the balance is of letting things flow naturally. Like obviously Megan is your sister and So that's not like she just happened by, but like letting things just sort of happen and unfold. Like you needed a car payment. You started this thing. You started the next thing. Your sister wanted in like things that seemed like was a really natural organic flow, especially in the beginning, how that works versus the things that you have to push yourself towards or obstacles you have to overcome. I don't really know like how to frame this question exactly, but in my own experience, I have a balance of obstacles and things that flowed and I, there's like no rhyme or reason right, to managing those things. And I wondered if you had any words to that. That's so interesting. So I am a glasses, like all the way full type person. And so I feel like that's kind of my MO to go to like, okay, it's going to, why would it not work is kind of the question I ask myself. And a lot of times things don't work, but what I try to look at is like, but what can I learn from this? I just keep chasing the things that I find value in, you know, there's been a lot of things that come my way and I'm like, no, that's good, but it would take me away from doing something else. And so, and then I do think God puts the desires in our heart. There is a strong desire for me. Like my life's goal is to travel the world with my family, to share Jesus. Like that's what I want to do. But in order to do that, like that's, so that's my big goal. And in order to do that, there's so many other things that I have to chase to have the means to do it and for people to even want me to come talk to them, you know? And so the book for one, I didn't want to write the book. Like it wasn't like, you know what, now I'm just happening to write a book. Like that no was never anything because I was told long ago from, or a teacher at my high school that um, I remember this so perfectly. She said, gosh, she's like, writing is really hard for you, isn't it? Like a teacher. And those seeds were planted in my head that writing was really hard for me. And I believed it. And so when my friend said, I really see a book inside of you, I started running the other direction. However, there was like this nagging in my heart, like it just kept being persistent. Like, well, I actually do have a story to tell. And then I'd say, but who would ever read it? Well, you know, I could really share this story, but what, that's kind of a dumb story. Why would it happen? And my book is very different than a a business book. Like I share a lot of business, but if you would compare my book to John Maxwell book, very different books. But what I've learned is that People learn different. People have different stories. And so that nagging in my heart, I try to just stay consistent with it and keep chasing it. And anytime I get that pit in my stomach, like I did when I was on Shark Tank, like, okay, this is not working. I pull out and I'm like, no, this is not going to be the way it is. So I think there's a balance all of the time, like, and not to jump forward to Shark Tank, but like, 
that should have been an amazing opportunity, but kind of focusing inward and being like, you know what, something's not setting well with my spirit. Like I had to be obedient to that. So I don't know that that answers your question, but that's kind of how I decide like when to run hard and when to pull back. Well, tell us a a brief version of your Shark Tank story because I love it and I cheered it on when it was (laughs) happening because, you know, it went all around our sorority sister nation of like, watch Sarah, she's going to be on. So give us just a a brief story of what happened getting you on Shark Tank. Yeah. So that was totally my husband. I was watching the show thinking, this is so cool. And I'm thinking that Adam's not paying attention. He is like glued to his computer. Well, three months later, I get a call from Shark Tank saying, you know, we would love to have you on the show. And I immediately call Adam and he was like, oh, good. They got my submission. And I'm like, what? He said that night I submitted you. He never told me. I was like, this is so cool. So that was something that like we didn't plan for. Um, You know, sometimes I say it's better to be lucky than good. Like we just got lucky. And this was before Shark Tank was super, super big. So this was season two and it's still kind of a new show to people. And it was awesome because it really helped us button up our business and feel really confident with what was going on. And I share a lot in my book about the process of it. Um, But we do, we get on Shark Tank and we're there in front of all the sharks and having the time of our life, like loving it. And Mark Cuban ends up offering us a deal. And we're like, this is awesome. Yes, we're totally going to go for it. And it would have, it could have changed the shape of our business, but there was something in my spirit that was stopping me. So for the show's sake, we did take a deal. And at the moment, in that moment, that all felt right. But then taking it back a little bit and kind of combing through what it would entail and kind of what the contract looked like, um, we ended up having to turn him down. And it was one of those things that, didn't feel good to my sportsman husband or my sister's husband. They're like, no, I think this is, I think it feels great. (laughs) So, but it didn't. And I'm so thankful. I mean, it could have gone and here's the deal. It could have gone really well with him too, but I think I wouldn't be the person I am today. Had I chased basically chased the money over the mission of my business. And so you kept it in house, but you did end up growing it in such a substantial way. There are now tippy toes, dance franchises all over the U.S., also now in China. This is so incredible. Tell me a little bit about the franchises, how that works. Like do people, I mean, I'm not a business person. (laughs) I don't even know how franchises work. So why don't you explain it? Yes. Okay. So we have an application process on our website and I researched a whole bunch of like, how do, how do people do this? And I am a people person. So I think my biggest thing is Megan and I really want to love who we're working with. And so we really seek out women who want to change their communities, who want to make an additional income to their families, who are really hardworking. And that's the main goal. We are a dance franchise, but that's just our vehicle to the children. Like, you know, we write our own music, which is super fun. They're silly, engaging, crazy songs about adventures that we take the kids on. But our goal is to build self-confidence And I really want in every single one of our tippy toes classes for those kids to have the best 45 minutes of their week for them to just release anything that's going on at home or at school, any troubles. I want them to walk into our facilities and be like, 
wow, I feel really good about myself. And so our thing is we aren't trying to train a prima ballerina. I want women to own our company who believe in the child and believe in who the child can become and really to be a service in their communities to so many families who are racing around the clock to try to get it all done. Families who are in the rat race, just going in circles. And it's like, hey, let us be a service to you. And so that's the heart of it. So when we are looking for franchise owners, we're really trying to match the heart of women in their communities with the heart of tippy toes. And what we have found when we do, they excel immensely, which has been beautiful to watch. And then what's really cool to me is then seeing so many daughters and sons at the recitals in their tippy toe shirt, working, you know, the merchandise station and the husband pulling the curtain, you know, like all that stuff, it becomes a family affair, which is super cool. And, and that's the heartbeat of tippy toes. There's so many things I love about it. It's just different than, you know, what you were saying. It's different than what you picture. It's different than what people say, you know, might happen if you work with family. It's different than you think of when you think of dance studios of like, training, you know, these real serious dancers. And that's just not your mission. You're talking about self-confidence. You're talking about like uh, your spirit, like a whole different side of it. And I just, I absolutely love hearing stories that are kind of off the beaten path like that. There was another story in your book I want you to tell about your friend, Brooke. Yes. And And the cookies, because I just related to this story. I have been you, I have been Brooke. Okay. And I feel like I still am those roles sometimes. And so I just want you to share a little bit about your friend, Brooke, and her cookie making. Okay. I love Brooke so much. And she's one of those friends that is loves you well, but is super quirky in so many unique, amazing ways. And so before we had children, she was like, I'm going to be the best homeroom mom ever. And I'm like, Brooke, what in the world? Like, we're not we don't even have kids, but she was like bound and determined to like beat other women out of this homeroom mom job. And so she had her, her oldest child, Connor, and she decided I'm going to be the best homeroom mom by learning to make these amazing cookies. I'm not going to bring store-bought cookies into school. And so I'm like, you are absolutely out of your mind, but this girl was determined. And so she taught herself, you know, you see a bunch of them on Instagram and they're like the most gorgeous cookies. Like they taste amazing, but you don't want to eat them because they look so good. And this whole time she's like, you know, it's really not that hard. Sarah, it's really not that hard. And every time I would go to a party, I'm like, God, Brooke, this is amazing. Like we had a tippy toes album cover and all of a sudden, like it's turned into a cookie. And I'm like, is this the album cover? Is this the cookie? Like it was so identical to it. And so she had mastered this. Well, she comes to visit us in Kentucky and she's like, oh, I can totally teach you how to do this. I'm like, that's awesome. Let's, let's do it. And for me, like I don't bake at all. So like the biggest baking thing I do is slice the cookies and put them on the pan. Like that's it for me. But she kept saying like, no, it's totally easy. I'll bring my stuff. Not a big deal. Girl, it took us all day. And so we start making it. I'm like, God, Brooke, this is like exhausting. I cannot believe we're still doing this. And she's like, isn't it so relaxing? And I'm like, nothing was fun. Nothing was relaxing. I'm like, no. And so we make the dough and she's like, now we chill it for two hours and I'm done with this project. Well, we're, we're all we're doing is making 24 car shaped cookies. So I'm sitting next to her and she's starting to teach me how to ice it. So she's 
walking it through just like an instructional video. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to copy exactly what Brooke's doing. She's like, now we're done. And I looked down and it literally looked like my three-year-old little boy had just finished. I mean, it, I was like, oh my gosh, it was running everywhere. My, even my stamp of my cookie was terrible. I mean, it was a hot mess. And I look over at Brooke and I'm like, wait, how did you, like, I was side by side with you. And it occurred to me in that moment, I was trying to do something that was sitting in Brooke's sweet spot. And she had worked years. Connor was at this age, I think about eight. So, and she had started working on this a couple years before he was born. So for 10 years, she had been working on this art. She had a business and she was perfecting it. And I felt in that moment that I could have just stolen what she had done and done the exact same thing. And I think what really occurred to me is so often people look at each other and say like, okay, I just, I want to do that. Well, that looks easy. And we forget all the time spent in the quiet, in the moments, in the really hard that this person took to get there. Brooke had tons of stale, burnt, nasty cookies. And I never remembered those. I was thinking my outcome would be the same as hers. And so it was a really powerful moment to to not compare. Like, why am I comparing my cookie to hers, my life to hers, my husband to hers? Like, whatever it is in life we compare it to, there's always a backstory. For her, it was 10 years of hard work. For you, Laura, with all of your blogging and your podcasts, and people say like, I want to do what you're doing. It's like, great be ready to work hard. You know, same with tippy toes. Like people will say like, you have such a success. I'm like, you have no idea. Thank you. But you have no idea all the sweat, all the failures, all the hard moments that I've gone through. And that's what makes when we sit in a good spot, that's what makes it really good is all the backstory behind it. Yeah, it's so true. I feel like I do this. So I'm not saying this in any kind of a critical way, but I've had a lot of people in my life be like, well, I want to start a podcast. I could write a book like kind of thing. And again, I've also been guilty of this because other people make it look easy because it's their skill set or because they're passionate about it. And so the way that they talk about it or their, you know, their outcome it does seem easy to an outsider, but then, you know, if you were to try that, like you're just going to end up with a mess of cookies. <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, and it was that day that I also told myself, like, I'm going to stop comparing and I'm going to start celebrating a Brooke, what you do is really good and you've spent time perfecting it. And so instead of like wishing, man, I wish I was a good homeroom cookie mom and could bring these, like, I'm going to hire Brooke to do that if that was important to me. And so I think one of the biggest things that I've learned through all of that is celebrating where people really are in their sweet spot and not comparing ourselves and making us feel little. We all are gifted with so many amazing gifts and talents, but you have to find where it is and stop looking to your left and your right, trying to borrow other people's talents. I wonder if this is something that you talk about with some of your coaching, because Y'all, not only does Sarah (laughs) own a huge franchise business, not only does she write books and do podcasts, she also does online coaching with women who are trying to achieve their dreams. So is this one of the things that you have to talk about with people? Because I just feel like comparison is 
so common among everyone, really. Is this one of the things that you talk about in your coaching? And then tell us a little bit more about your coaching. Yeah. You know, it's funny you ask that because I just had a conversation with my, it's called an accountability group. And really the purpose is to have each of us move forward in big ways in whatever we're doing. And so people come to me from all walks of life. Like I want to write a book. I want to start a podcast. I want to start a business, like whatever it is. And then we start straying and our eyes start moving. And a girl called me and she's like, this accountability is great, but I'm seeing what everybody's doing. And I'm reminded of what I'm not doing. And so I had this real honest conversation with her and we kind of had this conversation about like her past, like what has been in your past that's allowing you to believe that what you're trying to do isn't going to happen. And it's amazing when we can really use our mindfulness to pull back on things in our past that maybe are defining our future. And when we sat down, it was like one of those raw, hard conversations where she got upset and was crying. But what she remembered, she had a big loss in her life. Her father passed away and she had remembered some things that had happened in that moment that she believed were holding her back from her future. Now, it doesn't have to be a big thing. You know, it does, the hers was really big, but it's allowed her to carry more weight physically and mentally, more weight in her life and then doubting herself because she didn't have the person, her biggest cheerleader around anymore. And so I think oftentimes in my accountability group, you know, we get caught. She was looking at everybody else seemingly having it. Little did she know that before that call, I was just talking another lady through something. Everybody has something, but we don't always share that. Some can you imagine if sometimes we feel like Facebook is everybody complaining, but can you imagine if we all walked around on social media and like told everybody the worst part of our day? Like it would be such a drag. So no, people share their highlights, you know, but then if you don't have a highlight that day, you feel less than, and that's why social media can be very dangerous. And so this accountability group, we all paused and I said, here's the deal. What I need you to do is be very vulnerable. And I want you to talk to this group of women about how you're feeling right now. And it was the most beautiful thing that happened because so many women were like, I felt this way before I felt this way yesterday. Here's what I did. And instead of feeling like there's a huge comparison, these women started lifting her up and she called me and she's like, oh my gosh, it's amazing how my day just shifted because we moved from her comparing to women celebrating her. And it was the most beautiful thing. And so that's really what my accountability group is, is what do you want? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And how can we help you get there? And I believe so much in these small daily deposits. You know, you have to do a little bit every day. People think you have to do everything in one day. And if you don't, you fail. It's like, no, just do a little bit at a time. And people will look back and be like, Laura, how did you do that? It's like, well, I had one conversation. I wrote one sentence. I had, you know, one phone call, whatever that is, it adds up if we stay on task. And so my accountability is real. It's really intense, but it's a schedule from really from the time they wake up to the time they go to bed and making sure that we have goals in each and every single day that we're moving forward towards. I relate to that story so much about the woman in your accountability group. And that's one of my main messages. I think that we picture if we were to share vulnerably what was happening with us, if we were to share our struggle, share our insecurities, that 
the other women at our table, metaphorically or literally, are going to like start whispering behind their hands like we're in the third grade, or they're going to point at us and laugh or some kind of thing. But what really happens is that people lift you up or people say, I've been there, or people simply say, I hear you, I believe you. But we think that's not what's going to happen. We are convinced that there's going to be some kind of like bonfire pitchfork situation when, you know, that's... I just so rarely have seen that happen in the real world. You know, people do want to lift one another up. People do want to hear that you're struggling because they're also probably struggling or have or will. And so that's just, you know, what you're doing is just so inspiring and you have such a breadth of knowledge and wisdom and enthusiasm, which I love. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to point listeners to where they can come find you and come follow you. Can you just tell us your website, your social media handles, all of that? Thank you so much, Laura. I just love you. And it's just so fun to reconnect. But I have a website at sarahnews.com and our Tippy Toes website is tippytoesdance.com. And so I'm there. And then on social media, it's Instagram is Sarah underscore news and then Facebook And Twitter, I just can't, I just can't do it. I don't know. I think I'm on there, but don't do anything. Um, And then my book is on Amazon and my book shares a lot of these stories. And really my hope through that is people know that they are, my, my title is destined for greatness. And I really want everybody to really believe that they are destined for greatness because I, I really believe when we live in our sweet spot, we are pushed into, you know, where we're called to be. And so through my stories, many stories of where I would have tagged myself as failure, really on the other side of it was success. And I think that's waiting for all of your listeners, all of our friends, all of our family, if we can push past the uncomfortable into a life of greatness. Gosh, I love it. And everyone, you don't have to memorize that. I'll put everything in the show notes. I'll tag Sarah and Tippy Toes on social media. So go look for us there so you can follow her and her great success. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sarah. I love talking to you. You are amazing. and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.